Hello and welcome to a new episode of Music for Series. I'm here again, Dinis Guarda, with my friend and partner, Amrita Sen. We're talking about music as the universal glue for everything that represents for humanity, everything that makes us special, everything that goes down to our emotions, our feelings, our passions, our bubbles, uh, one of the concepts we discussed last time. And one of the things that I'm particularly passionate is how we deal with our emotions, how we deal with this to even go to our core beliefs, to our atom, which is something that you're going to be talking today. So today you're going to be talking about uh, music for loss and grief, and especially how in the loss and grief we can actually find our atom. And I want to just to look at a couple of uh, preparation notes that I have here. So loss and grief are inevitable parts of every life all over the world, within any civilization, within any time zones, and within any kind of realization. And actually, even in some parts of nature, there's a sense of loss and grief. But when we look at music, the music can actually help us representing this loss, the tribal rituals, a lot of different things that makes us specially and that represents our society, our kind of operating system of humanity. And the grief for music appears in some of the humanity first stories, such as Orpheus in Greek myth mythology, or David Lament in the Bible, and continues to our day. For instance, in the popular culture, we can actually look at, uh, for instance, interesting if you go to Google and you search for music and grief, you'll find that uh, the first songs about grief and loss, according to Google, and there's 32 million search results for this, is Alleluia from Leonard Cohen, which is a beautiful song, Unforgettable, Nat King Cole, and Nothing Compares to You from Sinatra Corner, although it was written by actually Prince. And then there's a lot of different things that you can go from Eric Clapton, Tears in Heaven, and for Let It Be from the Beatles. But today we're going to be touching something that I'm sure is very dear to um, Rita because she went through personal uh, loss and it was something that was quite intense. But I think I love the way she looks at these things and the way she always comes up with the inspiration, the beautiful concepts. So I want to start, first of all, uh, uh, Amrita, is how would you define your atom? Well, the... First realization I had was even was even knowing that um, there's a concept called an atom, and and I'll tell you how I thought about it. Um, I get asked a lot by various people uh, as to how I was able to make a shift from being uh, a behind the scenes agent to being somebody who had a creative existence, and for me the answer was very simple which was um, I had to find out what I was really good at doing, right? And I keep going back to my childhood and my mom's teachings and my mom's skill being transferred to me. And those two very important skills were the ability to sing and the ability to draw. So from that shrinkage, the ability to sing and the ability to draw, I had to shrink it and then expand it, the concept we talked about in previous podcasts. Um, when I realized <clears throat> that I really wanted to think about my singing, I thought about, okay, well, 
I'm a specific type of singer because I do Italian opera and I do Indian classical. So how do you meld that? When I thought about how do I do art, I thought, okay, I'm a painter. I paint Indian types of art, but I also have a lot of technical skills in what is contemporary textiles. So that forms a specific type of thing, which allowed me then to expand. But here was the rub in how I, would ex I was explaining it to people. A lot of people, most people came back to me and said, well, that's not fair, Amrita, because I don't have a specific thing from childhood that I can go back to, to find my shrinkage and then my expansion. I don't have something that I had a, as a hobby or I don't have anything that I found as like where my mom took me to lessons. And then I think, but no, but that's not possible because you have to have, and it do, you have to have had something. It doesn't mean that you have to go back to your childhood. It doesn't mean that you have to call it a skill. It could be something that specifically happened or an experience you've had or a point of view that you developed at some point in your life that is unique to how you're going to add value and how you're going to make yourself better off in the future. So in, when I was speaking to this one person, he decided to become a Buddhist monk, right? And he was similar to me in that he found a skill, the skill of reflection and meditation at a very deep level. So then we thought, okay, well, who, what about somebody who hasn't done that? Then we thought, okay, let's, let's shrink it even more. What about if it's somebody who knows how to be the most amazing carpenter? And then we thought, okay, well, there are other carpenters. Well, what if it's somebody who knows how to be a carpenter in a Kansas home uh, if, for a particular type of wood? Oh, well, there are other people like that. So we kept shrinking and shrinking. And then we thought, okay, well, what are you good at at the cellular level? Like, what is it that you can do that nobody else can do at the cellular level? And you know what? While we're at it, let's shrink it even down. What are you good at at the atomic level? Like, let's the smallest, tiniest, tiniest thing that is only you at the absolute below the cellular level the atomic level, right? Just the electrons, if you will. And then once we thought about it that way, it became very clear that every person, every person has a thing, you know? Seven billion people on the, in the world. It's, it doesn't seem likely that all those seven billion people, even five of them are identical. It's, it's not possible. If there's billions and billions and billions of stars in the world and in the universe that have their own unique formation identifier. Why is it so hard to believe that all the souls in the world, including my mom's soul that is in heaven right now, why can't we imagine that everybody has their unique identifier, right? So atomic level identifiers for people. What is that? And I want to challenge everybody to think, okay, what is your atomic level identifier? You know, what is it really the essence of where you're going to find? And I'll, I'll forget about all those things like the truth and where you find your specialness. I'll, I'll 
eliminate words like truth and specialness. I'll make it simpler for, for us, right? What is the, that unique identifier where you have something to say? Like, what are you going to say when it comes down to, okay, only you can say it. And I think that now makes it a heck of a lot more universal um, when we talk about the shrinking concept before we expand concept, right? Because we, we covered that a lot and I got a lot of comments like, hey, Amrita, it doesn't work, right? So then I will ask everybody, including you, Dennis, is what is the absolute unique atomic identifier where you have something to say that nobody else can say? Oh, that's, first of all, wonderful. And, and I love this because it's, it's, I love as well the poetry on this because as you know, I'm a poet as well. And uh, one of the things that I like, especially on the layers of our society is if I look at my atom, it's definitely my creativity and the love of the people close to me. And that's the, the two things relate together. But the love of the people that are dear to me and my atom, they are for sure. And then the creativity. And it's interesting because the creativity for me is a way of somehow looking at your concept of unique identifiers. So you identify in one end my strength and as well my way of finding, we discussed about the idea of a kind of of a personal bubble in the last episode mm. but in one end is this personal bubbles can actually be bubbles in the sense of fake or something that is a protection mechanism yeah. and i think i love the idea of an atom because an atom is something that glues the matter uh, yeah. and i think it's kind of that means for me is definitely this so so when you go to the atomic level identifier so can you explain more about this because it's so beautiful uh, and so powerful <laughs> as well Maybe what we could do is tie together the concepts we talked about last time, which was everybody in a healthy way or not healthy way has fantasy bubbles, right? Yes. Fantasy bubbles, let's imagine it exists on my left, si my left side here, right? I want to be a great singer. I want to be a great artist. I want to be a great business person. I want to be a great athlete. Fantasy bubbles. A lot of them are great. Now, am I personally going to become an Olympic swimmer, which I wanted to be as a kid, probably not a good fantasy bubble to go after. Even though I was a good swimmer, it wasn't gonna happen at the Olympic level, <laughs> right? Okay, when those healthy fantasy bubbles become too many, they become dispersed because you can only focus on a few fantasy bubbles at a time. They become polka dots. Lots of, I'm now moving the, the, my continuum, right? Lots of polka dots, you know, then the polka dots, if they're not controlled and not made round, again, you get, they get even worse. They get into like lots and lots and lots of polka dots and they become noise, right? The noise becomes so great for some people. So many like, like spitball ideas, boom, 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 boom. Bad fantasies, good fantasies, all you know, they've migrated from polka dots to noise and now it's cacophony. And fi the final outcome of cacophony is human suffering. Not human suffering that is part of a, an overall holistic learning experience, but just raw, random human suffering, right? 
we don't, there's enough human suffering already, right? This kind of human suffering is something we want to be able to at least understand why it's happening, you know, where it's coming from. So trying to get back from the right side to the left side, I think, okay, fantasy bubbles. What ties these bubbles together? It's your one atomic, and that's one thing maybe I was missing in the last conversation. It's that one atomic connector. You know, for me, honestly, I really like the idea, I'm comfortable with the idea, and I'm still testing the idea that I'm an American of Indian descent that loves to bring Indian art and Indian concepts to the rest of the world, right? I am Indian, but I'm so American in my thinking and an American in my approach to commercial, commercialization. How do you tie it together? The lucky thing, you know, as I, as I migrate through this journey of being an Indian artist is I do have the opportunity of working with very good people. You know, because if you work with very good people who are high level at what they do, your fantasy bubbles start to shape and form and connect with each other. And that's the benefit of collaboration and working with very grounded people that don't bullshit you. <laughs> so, I love this. Right? So atomic connectors are essential for fantasy bubbles becoming ideas, okay? Let's, let's link it back to music, okay? Linking it back to music is, in my lifetime, if you think about the big music idea, I represented 50 Cent, I represented Kanye West, I represented Christina Aguilera, I represented all the music publishers. The biggest idea I have seen in in my music career was the absolute profound idea of hip hop. So compelling because it was a bunch of, when I first entered the music business, it was forming, it was like different types of hip hop, different types of hip hop, different point of views. It then became a movement and now it's a universal humanistic idea where once I was studying Genghis Khan, I tried to do, I tried to find out the music for Genghis Khan. And I realized there are all these Mongolian act, singers and musicians who are dedicated their lives to the, the, the melding of hip hop with Mongolian chants. So hip hop, whoever was responsible for it, went past the fantasy bubbles and formed an idea. And there were probably a few atomic level connectors who took one sound from another and connected people and you know got uh, got people together in a room and said let's try this and then it, it it becomes so so deep and so sticky that it just finds its way into the other parts of the world you know so i just uh, i'm continuously amazed by how quick music fantasy bubbles become ideas right through atomic connectors but it doesn't have to be music honestly i mean I, I i do want one thing i want to take have a takeaway is music is the ultimate meditation tool right and the ultimate tool for well-being but it ha doesn't have to be the only one there are lessons to be learned from music but it's not it's not the only it it's won't won't be the first and it won't be the last I love this. And I, say, I love that uh, you right now create an entire narrative around this. And this is actually almost a philosophy. 
<laughs> so we have here, actually, there's a book here. So, so let me just go through a couple of things, a couple of notes that I have here, what I love here. So if I go through what you just said, and I'm playing around with some of my concepts, but now focus on yours first. So we have, how you define your atom as a unique identifier for your life, the atomic level identifiers, and the atomic connector that are key to glue ideas and focus. I'm just summarizing what you said. And then we have... Well, the uh, key to uh, the, uh, the, atomic, <laughs> the atomic connectors that are key to connecting your fantasy bubbles to form an idea. Yes, I love right? this. Yes, <laughs> don't complete it. We need, a, we need a diagram. No, no, I'm, I'm trying to put this already because it's, it's a great, a great, great uh, uh, um, brainstorming of fantastic ideas. But I love the idea, for instance, you, you touched the concept of cacophony. And it's interesting because it is the amalgamation, amalgamation of different sounds. If you look at the concept of, of uh, cacophony, is the different sounds you hear in a busy city or street or market. And you hear the sounds, you get lost in this. It can be a sound barking or something like that. And this actually happens in music as well, which can be this cacophony music as well. If you look at this in symphonic music, there's tentatives of going in this topic. Uh, more experimental things, but there was in history of music, there's a lot of the expression in the beginning of the 20th century, modern experimental music. And it's interesting, coming back to your, um, to the narrative, the graphic that you said is that we have the fantasy bubbles. The fantasy, fantasy bubbles dilution creates polka dots, and the multiplication of, of polka dots become noise, which is cacophony, and then is chaos. And this is interesting that the find your atom in the middle of this can be a narrative for your life. And actually, I love this because part of my creative process, you ask me what is important for me is my loved ones and my creativity. And it's interesting is that each time I lose my atomic level identifiers using your narrative, I get in cacophony. And this affects my personal life, affects my business, and it affects as well even my health. So it's quite interesting uh, how we can actually go from this and you create an entire lifestyle. Um, but it's a what great way. You talk about, I'd like to drill down on your atomic connector, right? When you think about your loved ones, we'll, we'll handle that. Okay, yeah, for, completely. Yeah. That's complicated. Uh, what do you, when you think about your creativity, what is it specific to your creativity? that you enjoy the most? Oh, that's interesting thing. So I would say that uh, it's interesting because as you know, I study literature, arts, and I ended up actually in technology and creativity and, and all this media digital. But one of the things that I always probably identify with creativity mm -hmm. is the idea of, for instance, if you look at the, the, the keyword poetry, it comes from the, the Greek word poesis. And poesis means creating, creating something. So in the end of the day, for me, it comes from this. My creativity is about creating things. And initially was creating poetry, then creating drawings, then creating music like you. And then it creates companies and creates big projects and platforms. And at the moment, of course, is the podcast, is my ventures as well, Cities ABC and so forth. That's my creativity because... It, it, it is about creating things that can actually, first of all, excite me. But as well, uh, I would say they are atomic connectors towards my ideas and towards my identity. 
which is partly of the fantasy bubbles because my identity is of course based on my fantasy bubble of uh, that is something that you don't understand. It's like you, you love to create because it was your DNA. And uh, it, it does not, even in, your, in our children, in our families, okay, there are things that people love to do. There's no one actually tell them to do. And I think this is kind of the beauty of history of humanity, of humanity is that these people like us that are lucky to be blessed and to be inspired, we love what we do. But I think a lot of people struggle to find their atomic connectors and especially to find their atomic level identifiers. And yeah. this creates the cacophony using your metaphors, which I love. But I think it's really a, a wonderful narrative that explains a lot of the issues we have in our society. And actually during the history of humanity, because if you look at what Bu Buddha did or Jesus can that you're talking, is mostly these people were atomic connectors. Okay? They had a very strong sense of ato atomic identification. And they, they glue around these people, for, of course, through their fantasy bubbles, they glue entirely first of all, creation or empires. Yeah. So, yeah, I love the concept because it summarizes things in a very simple way. And it's very, very scientific, but at the same time, very creative. So I love it. Yeah. Um, if you want to get into the atomic level connector of Genghis Khan, I suggest we have a Genghis Khan expert in one of our next podcasts. Yes, it's in the list. <laughs> so can you, can you just explain? So let's not go too much, but just uh, opening the door because the idea of this series for people listening to us, they will work on his own, but they have a narrative that we're creating and it's very organic as people listen to us. In the future, we might even open this to lives, but I want to make this really a dynamic interaction. So it's not a conventional podcast. It's much more a brainstorm, brainstorm of ideas and creativity. But let's go to Genji Khan because of course you have a, you study, you study, like you study Buddha, you study Genghis Khan quite significant. And of course, this episode is about uh, um, loss and grief, but it's interesting to look at the atomic of find your atom and use at least a top level metaphor about if you look at the concept of find your atom with yeah. someone like Genghis Khan. Yes. Okay. Uh, Genghis Khan was, just so we're clear, <laughs> was the leader and creator of still today, the world's largest landmass empire. It may not have been the largest empire in terms of number of people, but it was the largest landmass empire in all of human history, coming from a place that was a series of hordes, series of like tiny little tribes in these steppes in Central Asia. You know, it wasn't Mongolia back then. And I would love people to just let go of some of the, let go of some of the uh, biases they have. I know he was a bad guy, okay? He killed babies. And, but just for the purposes of this kind of analysis, I would love for people to forget about him as a killer, right? Because that will allow us to identify his atomic you know, atomic level strength and what made him Genghis Khan. He was born into a society and a family which just kept fighting and fighting and fighting, tribes, people stealing from each other, the violence at a level that other parts of the world had already dealt with, you know, but it was still happening in Central Asia. What he decided to do was through the sheer force of 
will and loyalty, people that were loyal to him, not necessarily family members, he was going to stop this absolute tribal fighting. Either join me or I'll kill you. But the fighting has got to stop. And the way I'm going to make the fighting stop is I'm going to create a military discipline because I'm not going to hire family members. I'm going to hire people that are smart, that are strong, and are loyal to me. And that was it. His, his human resources strategy, right? When we think about big companies, there are a lot of big companies that say, all I really care about is people and HR, and HR is the most important per person in my executive ranks. That was Genghis Khan. He had the best HR strategy. He didn't have a great finance strategy. He didn't have a great, you know, like product strategy. His product was let's be, you know, kill everybody. His strategy was I'm going to have the best HR department in all of human history. So he handpicked his general. He handpicked people that were going to be in. And therefore, he all, already predetermined those people that were going to be out. And that's what allowed him to take something that was a society that was cacophony, shrink it to noise, shrink it to polka dots, shrink it to a few kingdoms that became an idea, the idea called Mongolia. Mongolia itself was so powerful by the time Khan left it to his children that it formed other houses of military consolidation, like the House of Timur, which then obviously moved over to the, uh, went past the Hindu Kush mountains and formed the Mughal Empire. So this idea, again, was on the reverse. It was him saying, I, don't, I hate this human suffering. I'm going to keep consolidating the cacophony, the da 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 back to the left side. So sometimes consolidation is important, you know, and we have to kind of figure out as a society how much blood and how much suffering we're willing to tolerate to consolidate our ideas. You know, what's the cost? Um, I don't know the answer to that. You know, I, I, I don't, my, my son tells me, mom, how could you be reading a game about Genghis Khan? He burned babies. And I keep telling him, how could you not be reading about Genghis Khan? You got to read about Genghis Khan. Too no, big. You, you, you really to, need to look at history as well. Uh, and I think, uh, um, of course, every history is different from what we have now. Of course, killing babies or killing anyone is, is always a, a barbaric um, attitude. But I want to I, I ask you one thing. And this is quite interesting because it's one thing that strikes me as an entrepreneur and as a leader. And one of the challenges I have is... Uh, I think you and me share the same passion to do things and we are very determined to get things done. We have a willpower that very few people can afford and that's why we achieve what we achieve. But one of the things that I feel is how to deal with people that don't have the same levels of energy and passion that we have. Because when we manage these people, for instance, there was a, whatever you like it or not, there was a, a kind of a speech of Jeff Bezos where he actually was apologizing because... Uh, given his energy and determination, he actually treats a lot of people bad. And of course, I don't think I can compare with him, but I, I probably understand that when you have a big energy and a big drive like I have, and I speak for myself, sometimes you have a complexity how to deal with people and how to push people towards the atomic identifier or the fantasy bubble that we're talking about. And this is a big probably one of the biggest challenges of entrepreneurs, 
uh, of creators because let's say if you are a filmmaker, <laughs> you have histories of filmmakers that are super difficult to work with because you are in your fantasy Bible, you, you, or the fantasy Bible, not in this case, your fantasy yeah. um, idea. And it's very difficult for you to get out of it. And of course, you need to get emotional intelligence, but it's very difficult to deal. So how do you deal with this? Now I reverse engineer the question to you yeah. because the atomic, uh, atomic identifiers is wonderful, but it's kind of complex because you have to deal with society. And we discussed that in the last call when you talk about how to get our families balanced in our creativity. Yeah. But this is more from a leadership perspective. And coming back to yeah. Judges Ken, of course, you know, the HR part. <laughs> yeah, HR, yeah. the great question. Okay, so I'm facing, you know, I run two organizations. As you know, I run a design and um, retail organization that is, you know, a, a, a provider of Indian-based art to big retailers like Walmart and Pier One and Wayfair. And it is based on an idea. It is based on a fan collection of fantasy bubbles that I hopefully have made into an idea is I deliver home goods Indian style to these big retailers. I do it with a level of efficiency, which allows them uh, not to have to go to my competitors. Okay. Idea. Now, there is a certain amount of operational efficiency that re you require. You can't, not everybody is going to fit inside the, those, that idea. Not everybody has the atomic connector that could weave nicely in with the idea that I'm trying to do. One of the ideas that I'm trying to, one of the fantasy bubbles that I'm trying to integrate into my idea of being an all, all encompassing Indian design supplier to these big retailers is the idea of 24 seven um, accessibility. Like if you have a problem, whether it's two in the morning or whether it's this, you're accessible. Now to do that, you have to have people that have certain hours they work, they go, they clock in, they clock out, and they come in, they come out there. And there are certain people that have to be connected all times to those people. Not everybody wants to work that way. So I do have people that don't show up on time. I have people that don't follow deliverables. It's okay. They're not bad people. They just don't fit inside my atomically connected fantasy bubble that I'm trying to make an idea, right? And the question is, unlike Genghis Khan, I don't want to behead them. I don't want to cause them human suffering. All I want to say is, look, guys, here's my idea. Your, whatever it is you're doing and how you're conducting your day doesn't necessarily fit inside the larger idea that we're trying to create, whether it's Emerita Send Designs or whether Jeff Bezos is trying to do it at Amazon. It just doesn't, the, the link is not there. The connector is not there, but you, you are an individual. You let's give you the, the, the space. Let's give you the severance or whatever it is to go find your atomic identifier. It's okay. At the end of the day, when you're making those kinds of calls in any organization, I think style matters. And that's the one thing I want to say is you could have your idea. You could have all these philosophies, but in modern society, if you don't have the right style, it is going to be a very ha hard path. <laughs> you know, style matters when you're pulling it all together. And if you have the right style and the right way of explaining to people why they don't fit, 
you will hopefully reduce their human suffering. And as a result, you'll reduce your own human suffering along the process. And I've seen this over and over and over again. I, I, it's very wise words and very important. And I think it's, uh, it reminds me actually uh, a quote from uh, uh, that I actually, um, it's one of my favorite um, thinkers of the 20th century. It's actually a self-help author that uh, died um, some time ago, but uh, Will, uh, William Dyer, um, I forgot right now the name correctly, not to spell it, but he was saying that when you have someone that comes to your life that is not on the same um, kind of uh, kindness or level or, or the same engagement, just give him kindness and keep moving. <laughs> and I think it's the point as well is because, of course, not everyone needs to be in our organizations and in our, our narrative, in our bubble, in our atomic identifiers. But it's difficult because, of course, even if people are in our identifiers, there's the levels of energy and there's the levels how you keep going to avoid the cacophony. So one last question, because today we have limited time, but one of the questions is, um, because, because of multiple reasons, all of us fall in chaos or cacophony. So from your level, picking the metaphor, and I think, of course, this is a brainstorm between us, how do you deal with, and as well as an artist, because in an artist, if you don't organize your narrative, your melody, of course, you can have just sounds that are this unstructured. And of course, um, unless you do an experimental, these sounds are not very nice to hear. Um, so how do you deal with cacophony in terms of the atomic level identifier? When do you get to these levels? Um, or at least from a conceptual perspective? Uh, you're talking about general concept or general on, in music? Because in music it's very easy now. No, ge general concept, but okay. you can use music as a metaphor as well. <laughs> okay, well, in music, this is what happens. Now, the great thing about modern music, right, is that it's all put in this, you call them DAWs, like dig digital audio workstations, right, which is Logic or Pro Tools. You have your tracks, you have your piano tracks, you've got your pads, you've got your uh, bass guitar, whole list of bass guitars, all this stuff, right, like an orchestra. Music is easy now for me. I just start deleting files. I just start deleting rows. If it doesn't work, if it's not essential to that song, delete it. Delete, 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 delete. If I have five tracks, one with a really powerful vocal track and a bass guitar and a drum track, and it's great. I mean, listen to an Adele song, piano and vocal. Now the strings in the back come, and there's probably lots of layers on it, but I bet you they did a lot of deleting, okay? What I would say using that same concept when you're in cacophony mode, what is absolutely essential to the day you want to lead? Is it essential that you watch Prices Right in the morning? Is it essential that you watch, um, that you smoke pot? Is it absolutely essential that you eat that slice of pizza? For many people, the answer may be yes, it's essential for my happiness that I eat the pepperoni pizza. Okay. If it's not, if, if, that, if you wanna hold on to the pepperoni pizza, what else can you get rid of? Can you get rid of sitting on the couch? Can you get rid of, I mean, you have to delete something, right? To make room for how you're gonna enjoy the pizza. If you're really gonna enjoy the pizza, then make room for it. How do you make room for it? Maybe you get on a treadmill. Maybe you go for a walk. Maybe you don't sit on the couch, but 
whatever that is that you love, that you have to find in your day, just make room for it. And it could be, oh, I really have to have eight cups of coffee. Okay, well, if you have to have eight cups of coffee, then you probably need to drink more water. Just make room for that coffee. It's, so for me, it's quite simple. Whatever it is, make room for it. In business, there's, there's a book I read uh, many, many years ago, uh, which has such, such a, had a profound effect on me is shorten your lines or your customers will shorten them for you, right? Imagine in your day, you have thousands of customers. You have somebody who wants to reach you or you have somebody who wants to give you a business opportunity, somebody who, who wants to give you a gift. If they can't reach you, if there's no time, they're just going to go away. It's not like they're going to Genghis Khan style, you know, cut your head off. They're just going to disappear and you'll never come across that person again. You'll never cross, come across the customer or the potential business partner or the potential lover or the potential friend ever again. They'll just walk away. So just whatever it is, just make room. It's beautiful. It's really beautiful and, and very special. And I think this is kind of uh, the most important thing. I think that we have to, to focus on this. Yeah. yeah. Now, if only I can heed my own words, that would be even more beautiful. But I'm here no. with you, right? I'm here <laughs> no, with you. And no, no. Important. So I'm, no, I'm this is very special. This, I think we have uh, summarized a lot of the, the last few sessions in a very beautiful and synthetic way. There's a lot of information to digest here. I hope everyone is, is enjoying as I am. Um, I, I would wrap up on this one because I am as well. I think one of the things I will do for the next one, although next one will have some special guests, but uh, I want to put some graphics and probably we're going to share it in the next one. So we'll work probably me and Amrita with some graphics and we'll share because I think that will be make this is more accessible. Eventually even doing a small video or some music about this. Because I love the idea of the atomic identifier um, concept. Uh, and, uh, and of course, continue the narrative around the fantasy bubbles. Very so, nice to be here, Dennis, as usual. No. It's a pleasure to get up at 6.30 in the morning. Oh my God, yes, I know that is, thank you so much. No, I, I will let it go as well. I know that uh, it's quite a very intense last few weeks and I will finish for people listening to us today. So we touch the, I'll repeat, this is very beautiful. Please think about how to define your atom. And I think really if you focus, if you listen to us in the last close to one hour, you have a lot of beautiful things here, but it's about this idea of finding your atomic level identifier can really help. And I think the point is these concepts, they work in history. Of course, some people go, like you said, in more extreme levels, but they work because people focus. And I think this is one of the biggest, I, I actually today, I, I did a conference with some government level officials and actually some very high profile people in the US administration and Europe. And one of the things we were talking, and I think this is more from a society perspective is, when you lose the atomic levels in a civilization, you get a chaos and you get a cacophony. And this is actually key for success, for personal balance. Like I mentioned to me, when I lose my atomic level, or my, even my fantasy bubble, if I get out of my fantasy bubble, I get lost. So I love the way Amrita inspires on this level and I will think about this and 
and play around with some things. Thank you so much, Amorita. It's、Thank、been a wonderful <laughs> a experience.、Okay. Thank you.